Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. This is Ron Crawford coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And it's a great blessing to be able to greet my congregation here in Dallas and as well to say hi and welcome to all of our Saints Network family wherever you may be joining with us today. As many of you know, it was my privilege to be in Brazil um, for a few days. And, um, pardon me, during those days we were able to minister in several churches and coordinate pastors and um, prayerfully uh, pursue uh, our intent to follow the Lord in this new year and um, we wanted to investigate some possibilities and to have some time in prayer for potential planning times for the new year, and it's exciting to be able to do that. Um, we will be having a prayer time here at the Father's Church tonight at 6 o'clock Dallas time, wherein we will be giving thanks to the Lord and covering and sealing the things that were uh, brought about in those number of days that we were able to be in ministry. So for those of you who are part of our church or if you can be here or if you can script out that time to join us, that would be wonderful. And we're looking forward to what God is wanting to do. Just uh, a couple of highlights, and this is not the message of the day, but we were privileged to be able to minister in several churches, had nine speaking engagements in from Friday, when we arrived on Friday after flying all night, Saturday, Sunday, and then into Monday morning, coming back Monday night. Um, and so we, we had a very busy dance card, and it was, um, but every one of those services were different. It wasn't repeats in the different churches. God directed us. His spirit was moving. Uh, we were able to galvanize a group of pastors there in that locale, and also we welcomed uh, Pastor Salo Barreto and his wife Vanessa and their team from Cabo Frio. And uh, it, was, it was a wonderful time. God is moving. We're looking forward to be able to take a, uh, a video, audio and video crew down next year. We're working on this right now. We surveyed a, a beautiful theater. Seats 800 people. It's a, a Broadway-class theater. It really would provide everything that we need for a gathering. And to be able to produce a kind of a teaching seminar that can then be reproduced and sent throughout Brazil. I'm very excited about this. And we're still in the planning stages. We're negotiating. We don't know dates, so please don't ask me. I'll let you know. When you hear from me, you'll know. But we don't have dates. This is the way things have to be. You go, you look, you, they propose to you. You negotiate, you look at dates, 
this is just beginning, but we went and looked, prayed, feel really good about it. The pastors are behind this. Uh, we also made an agreement to be back there uh, for a, uh, an anniversary gathering in the fall and some other things. This is not the only place we're called to be. We're working now to prayerfully establish what needs to be done in Europe, and we're working on books. We're working on different types of broadcasts here. Always abounding in the work of the Lord is what the scripture says we're supposed to do. So we need to continue to pray and keep our eyes on the ball and stay focused. I do also want to thank everyone who was praying and everybody who uh, prayed beforehand. The words were very helpful. And, and I, again, I want to just say that there were things that happened that we didn't foresee. We planned for eventualities of difficulties, but we didn't foresee some of the things that happened. But the council words could be applied, and the, the, the advice in those prayer times prior to going could be applied. And so they, you know, that's kind of the way God is. He gives you general advice. Sometimes he gives you very accurate strategies, but we all want God to give it so much that we don't have to walk in faith. God always wants us to confront scenarios in confidence, knowing that he's there, but to rely on him. If we have it all scripted out, where's the faith in that? But we, we kept focused on the, uh, the agenda that God had put forward. We innovated. It was, it was nonstop. And, you know, and the people said, well, Pastor Ron, why, why did you come and only be here for a few days and then go back? Why don't you stay longer? Which is what they always want. And I said, this is not, uh, you know, it's kind of like what Jesus said. I have sheep you know not of. We do. We have other responsibilities. We have a lot of work to do. And we can't just go someplace and just lounge around and wait and, you know, you know what I mean? So we introduced them a little bit to um, uh, Western civilization. <laughs> we hit the ground running. We were busy all the time. And we came away with tremendous results from the kingdom. Thanks be to God. And um, I'm really saying way too much here. But you have to give me some slack. After all that ministry, came back in yesterday morning after a couple of hours sleep, was busy here yesterday, and now here we are again on Wednesday morning. So, God bless us all. <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, the Lord began to speak to me about what it meant to be a friend of God. And I was really enthused by what God was revealing. And, uh, but it was one of those things where he, even though it was revelatory and really inspiring, he, he was not giving me the clearance to teach on it. I didn't teach on it down in Brazil. And yesterday evening, as I was contemplating what all was before us today, 
the Lord started talking to me about it again and gave me the clearance to share, which I'm kind of glad because honestly, um, it's kind of like he got this ready for us and then he let it, he let it uh, evolve a bit. Every now and then over the past couple of weeks, he mentioned something about it just in passing. And I'm, I'm glad to have something that he's been sharing for the past few weeks that we can just talk about today. Now, what does it mean to be a friend of God? You know, it's, it's one of those terms, friends, that means something different to each person. And it's kind of like the term worship or the term prayer. You just throw that out there and people interpret it through the prism of their own experience and expectation. You know, even dealing with people as a pastor or dealing with other pastors, there's not a one-size-fits-all. And you have to limit what people are going to want from you. They have to know that you're willing to do whatever it is that the Lord has led you there to do for them. But everyone's different. Some people need constant attention, or they think they do. And you've got to give them what they need and then tell them, look, I'm not going to be your babysitter. If that's what you want from me, that's not happening. Other people just they want to know what's going on, and they commit. I love those kinds of people. Other people have expectations that they don't really tell you they have. And they work on an agenda. And after a while, they think that you should be this for them when you never entered into that agreement. Other people are great allies. They love you, but... They don't expect you to always be there at every beck and call with them. Everybody has their own idea of what a friend is. I always admired people who, pastors, who could convey that caring spirit, but they were almost like Teflon. I don't mean uncaring. I remember Dr. Criswell down at um, First Baptist when I first came here. I, could, I would watch him when I was with him, and he would act like he'd known somebody forever, But you and they, they enjoyed that, they rejoiced, but he had his boundaries. You have to be that way, because that lets people know this is, uh, this is somebody you can trust, they're there for you, but you're going to have to find your you're jolly somewhere else. And, you know, it, being a friend, as I said, is different for everybody. Every person has their own set of definitions. And um, I think that when we talk about being a friend of God, some people outright reject that. Oh, we can't be a friend of God. I remember one time I was ministering in Indiana, Pennsylvania, and I was talking about the heart of God and knowing God. And there was a really nice man who was there. And he sidled up to me in a downtime, which really, in fairness, 
I just ministered for three hours, and that downtime was something I really wanted to just rest. But here he came. And he said, you know, Pastor Ron, uh, I don't really agree with knowing the heart of God. How could you possibly know the heart of God? It's just something that can't happen. And I thought, you, your idea of who God is is really skewed. I mean, of course we can't know everything that God is. For eternity, we will be looking for that. But what he allows us to know is not only for our benefit, not only for our growth, not only for our understanding, but it's carefully and lovingly administered by God. So when we say we want to know the heart of God or we want to see him face to face or we want to be his friend, we're not saying, okay, we're married to him now and everything he knows we know. And if that's what you think God is, you're going to be really sorry and you're going to miss out. Only God could say, you're my friend and we know that and initiate us into relationship with him but then we fully have to know he's, he's uh, immaculate. He is eternal. He is um, all-knowing. And so you have to recognize your limitations when you talk about these concepts with God. But today we're looking at Exodus 33, and it's talking about Moses. Verse 11 of Exodus 33. And the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face, panim apanim, as a man speaks unto his friend. And he turned into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. See, that's the kind of guy you want, Joshua, who's not continually pestering you who's not continually in your face, you, you've got to, if you're in a point of assigned support role, you've got to give Moses or whoever may be in the lead your support, but you've got to give him some space. And here again, it's relational. It's relationship. Even when God relates to us, sometimes he's so near and you, you just feel him everywhere. He, he, you're immersed in him. And then the next day, he's hiding. You have to search for him. Sometimes he, he's dwelling with you and speaking to you. And then other times, not long after, you have to walk in faith and stand. But he's always there. But how he relates to you is different. And so... Moses, face to face, and here's a big word, as a man speaks to his friend. Face to face. We're not teaching on the face of God, but that's the circle of God's ways. That's God's ways. We, we commit ourselves to what he's wanting to do, even though we may not understand it all. We're, we're spending time with him. We're aligned with his ways. And that's a thumbnail sketch of the face of God. But this 
adjoining word as a man speaks to his friend or with his friend or unto his friend. Now, the friend here is, and we're just going to talk about what this word means. Okay? So put on your thinking cap and listen. This word, R-E-A, Rhea, here's, let's just talk about the ways it's used and then figure out what God's really saying. It can be translated as friend. It can be translated as neighbor. But if you will take your handy-dandy lexicons and you begin to study, you see it can also mean a shout. It can mean a roar as in thunder, it can be a, a loud cry, uh, a blast of war or an alarm, it's the battle cry of a king, it's the trumpet blast for marching, it was used on the day of atonement, which we've just talked about, the shouts of joy, isn't that great? This word a very direct connection of it can mean to be hungry, to be voracious, to express a need in the midst of a challenging moment, even though that's not the onus of the word totally. It's a companion, a friend, a fellow citizen, at times it can be talked about an associate or a husband or a fellow citizen, somebody with uh, rights that are shared. Um, this, is, this is just incredible. It's someone's purpose, someone's aim. This word, again, something loud, something shouted, something roaring, a thunder. It, it was the way Israel... One of the things they got in trouble about was they began to worship the demonic and they began to shout to their gods, their demons that they were um, fellowshipping with. It is used to refer to the second party in any personal interaction. Um, it's, it's, this is a broad word. It can mean a lover, a close friend, an acquaintance. It can also be an adversary in court that you're conjoined with for a little while. Are you getting all this? And you can listen to this again. You can archive it. And, or you can study it for yourself. I'm just going down through the lexicons. This is all what it means to be a friend. And we'll talk about how that applies. Um, let's see, what else did I want to say about this? This can mean... Um, this is a really curious aspect of it. There is a correlation between this word and ra'ah, which is the shepherd that warns about the raw, that which is fallen or corrupted or iniquitous twistings of the purpose of Tob. Um, let's see. This can mean... Uh, that you are going forward 
uh, in um, in conjunction with whatever your friend is has asking you to partner with him in. There's a lot of noisiness. There's a surge of emotion. There is um, there is uh, pledging to go to war at any given moment. Um, if you're crying out, yelling about a thief that has stolen something. Uh, this, um, this was talked about, uh, the noise of war, particularly when the Midianites were fleeing their camp in, in panic. Um, again, an admonition to go, to go to join in war. Yahweh is a warrior who raises a battle cry in Isaiah 42, 13. Uh, the two silver trumpets made this kind of a, of a sound, and it is described in this way. Uh, an oracle of, of uh, pending destruction over a sinful people is there. Um, so, you, you see this, and so to be a friend of God is, is how you know him and partner with him according to his ways or his face. Now, I'm just, I'll just tell you, I just went down through Theological Word Book of the Old Testament, Vines, Theological Dictionary of the Old Testament, Olive Tree Enhanced, New International Dictionary of the Old Testament, Mounts is Complete, CWSB, Brown Driver and Briggs. Just went through them all on my phone, of all things. Up here in the booth. I almost wrote this down, but it's, this is readily available to all of you. Oh, I can't afford these. You can afford other things. I mean, you don't have to get this big extensive thing. I'm finding the same thing out of every one of these resources. Um, I have to do my diligence as a teacher to make sure that I'm not missing something. But you can study this. I didn't find any conflicting thing here. So... When God is Moses' friend and friend, Moses is God's friend, I'd, it's more like somebody that's an ally and a neighbor. And God is a noisy neighbor. When, when you're a friend of God, you're going to hear a whole lot of things coming out of that next door neighbor and his house. You're, you're going to feel as if you have a responsibility. Sometimes as I read through these, I've known people. There, was, there have been people here at the church, especially when God was starting things here. There were some people that were so antsy. If anything got loud, they couldn't handle it. If somebody shouted, it was like, they they were going to melt down into a puddle of dismay. And they'd come and complain, Oh, Pastor, they're so loud. We had some friends in another country who just absolutely could not tolerate the loudness of our gatherings. And 
You know me. I'm, I'm not loud. I can be loud. God needs us to be loud at times. The scripture says that. How do you give a quiet shout? You, know, you read these verses. I don't know how some of these people can absolutely think that they're following the scripture when they shout like this. Yay! That's not a shout. That's a puff. You know, I was on the plane the other night and 10-hour flight and there were some parents who had little kids that decided it was time for them to express their displeasure. Now, I'm a grandfather. I've, I've been a father. I don't have kids that I'm little kids that I'm a father to now. now I, I know kids are going to do what they're going to do. But if you just let them keep doing it, that's an irritation to everybody. But the point is that I can hear my grandson cry. He doesn't cry that much. He makes noises. And I know this, this kid is, is mine. I, I have a responsibility, and it doesn't really irritate me. The same with the twins when they were little. Um, sometimes when they come over, they're, they're growing up, and when they get on, uh, when they're conversing with their friends, uh, they get loud, as only girls could get loud. I guess boys get loud, too. Um, but they're mine. And even though it might be an interruption at times, I don't get, I don't get irritated by it. Um, I remember when Kelly was little, my oldest daughter, sometimes she would get frustrated and she would cry, and I knew the cry, I knew that cry. It wasn't a cry that I'm in trouble. It was a cry that meant I'm frustrated, I don't want to do this anymore, uh, I'm just irritated because I'm tired. I knew that cry. I didn't like it. But I knew what it meant. I also knew the cry if she was really in trouble. But when you're aligned with somebody, when you're a friend, when you're an ally, when you're a neighbor in that agreement, you tolerate those things because you are sold out. You're bonded. And so... If we talk about a friend of God, which Moses was in conjunction with God's ways, and this is what the word means as friend, if you say you're a friend of God, when he gives the trumpet call to war, you're there. If there's a lot of raucous activity that God is shouting or his other family members are there and they're not out of place. They're, they're doing what he's wanting them to do. You tolerate that. Doesn't mean you have to go over and get wacky with them. But you're not put off by it because you're aligned. Sometimes I don't know what people think the secret place of thunder is. Even though I know this word is different, there are different words for thunder, but thunder is thunder in the Old Testament. I don't see how somebody that 
their main thing is, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the road and he walks with me. Well, that's sweet. But if that's all you want from God and that's what you think God is, you're really, hear me now, you're really not a friend of God because God gets loud. When you get called up into the secret place of thunder as a contrite one and the voices, thunders, lightnings, earthquakes, earthquakes, every one of those is loud. You're not, they don't have a separate room. You know, God, God doesn't have thunder trigger warnings where he has a safe space for all of you who get antsy if things get loud. Okay, welcome to the secret place of thunder. Are you willing to tolerate God's loudness? Or do we need to put you over here in a special thunder room that's, that's, uh, that's buffered? That means they seem silly. But you've got to be willing to hear the still small voice. You've got to be willing to, Andy walks with me. You've got to be willing to be, in, be still and know that I am God. Yeah, you know, the, I only read in the scripture that for 30 minutes, whatever that means in our time frame, there was silence in heaven. The rest of the time, it can be pretty bo- boisterous. If you're going to be a friend of God, it's not that you try to create noise, or that if it's not noisy, you say, well, you've got a sanctuary of silence. That irritates me. I've seen people who say that who are silent for hours in prayer. But then when they decide it's time to get raucous, everybody needs to bang the pan and do it. Or if you don't manifest, you're not receiving from God. Sometimes to be a friend, you've got to be quiet. But when the battle cry comes, when the trumpet comes, when God's ways say, this is thunder time, you go with it. You've got to be willing to tolerate it because you're to be the friend of God in his ways. I encourage you to look this word up. It's there. You can't whitewash it. And I'm not saying this because anybody's giving me trouble right now. I'm honestly, this is something that God is pinpointing now. I always felt that to be a friend of God was that special relationship. And really, as pastor, I've been willing to, I think, to be to allow God to be what he wants in this place and in my life. Yeah, sometimes when God starts moving, as a pastor in a church, I initially think, is this God or is this some person being Jehovah gyrating? Is, is this of the Lord or is this somebody that just can't control themselves? You, you, have to, you have to make sure you ascertain if it be God or not. Sometimes you just have to watch and wait. Is this scriptural? That's the main thing. And that you don't have to watch and wait for. It's pretty clear. Sometimes when God gets loud, it interrupts my agenda. And I have to hope that people are going to trust me to navigate through what's happening. King Saul was a pretty good example. 
of paying too much attention about what everybody else thought. It ripped the kingdom away from him. David was more vile than this, but yet he knew how to meditate under the Lord. Under the Lord. He did both. His quote-unquote wife got after him. Oh, look how glorious the king was. Now I got to give her some credit. She was bounced around like a like a second car jalopy. And her dad, okay, you're with David. No, you're not with David. You're over here with this other guy. Now wait a second, David wants you back. Okay, I feel sorry for her, but I don't justify what she said when David was dancing the ark in. We got to be really careful to recognize what things mean in the scripture, to be willing to allow our friend to do what he wants. God has a lot of odd friends. He really does. And God relates to them in different ways. I got to be willing to let him do that. Sometimes, when the noise comes, I don't know what's going on, but I know it's God. And I just have to trust him and wait. It's very interesting. You know, this past week, on Friday night, we ministered at a church called Kairos. And I was speaking. Again, we Scott and I flew in. We had just a couple of hours sleep. I don't know if Scott had that. But then we had a full day. And then we went into two services that night. While I'm speaking, the Spirit of the Lord's moving. God's doing great things. All of a sudden, in the middle of the sermon, God decided to show up in a way that nobody expected. People started shouting right in the middle of the sermon. I wasn't yelling. I wasn't stirring them up. I didn't get them all jacked up for anything. You know, some preachers like to do that. They, they think that unless they're yelling and people are yelling, God can't be moving. But all of a sudden, it just erupted. People started to manifest under the Spirit. And it was all perfect and entire. God, there wasn't anything that I could see. I'm standing up there at the pulpit trying to judge, what's going on here? I didn't see anything out of order. It was out of my order, but it was God doing it. And it kind of spread through the building. And then it spread up onto the platform where I was with my interpreter. Oh, dear Lord. It almost, it almost knocked me over. And th- this church, at the back of the, pla- of the pulpit area, the platform, the church looked out over this beautiful valley, and the sun was setting, and they had these huge windows <clears throat> went, all, went all the way up to the ceiling. And they had this window open because the breeze was blowing through. It was gorgeous. <laughs> I almost fell out the window, which would have been a, diff- a variation off of Eutychus in the book of Acts. And I, after, after the Spirit stopped that point of manifestation and then I had to embrace the pulpit again and start ministering, you just kind of pick up from there. I looked down at the pastor and I said, Pastor, that was not planned, and he was just radiant. I said, that was God. 
We ask that whatever he did that for, it would be a lasting impact on this church. And I said, I can't really describe what I was feeling up here, but God was moving me around like a leaf in the wind, and I almost flew out that window. The whole place started laughing, because I guess it was obvious. And I said, and if I had fallen out that window, you'd have had to come down and raise me from the dead. And they all started laughing. And then we just kept going. The rest of the service was wonderful. But God, you have to let God do what he's going to do. And you've got to make sure that you're not addicted to raucous visitations because you can try to stir it up. Sometimes you want God to do something like that, and he doesn't. I've been in churches that have been cold as a well digger's ankle, and I'm thinking, Lord, why am I here? They're not. It's like my words are falling on frying pan heads. It's just bouncing off like Teflon. And you think, God, please come and smite these people with your presence. And he doesn't do it. And you think, what in the world were you doing here, my friend? Sometimes to be a friend means you, when you don't understand, you're just there. Sometimes you've got to let the battle cry go forward. You've got to get loud, people shouting. But friendship is all over the place. And, and in, in its defining characteristics in in this word and you think about being a shepherd to do the ra'ah that means you're going through places that could be like the valley of the shadow of death or the green pastures or the still waters or the mountain top where the wind is howling or where the enemy is on the other side of the valley and he's intimidating and you can hear the shout of God as God arises. All of that is what being a friend is. A friend with God. A neighbor, as it were. Oh, to be Friend of God. I love that Kevin Prosh song. But it is, as we just read, the Lord spoke to Moses. As the French would say, face à face. Panim, panim, double, in, influence, uh, double uh, inference here. Um, the ways of God what God is wanting to convey, how he's communicating the burden, how hope is being um, impacted, the seed of faith in your life, where you make your commitment. You don't understand all of it, but you're walking by faith in agreement with him. And how do you do that? As a man speaks unto his friend how can you how can you 
compile these together. I mean, you're there face to face. Goosebumps are rising on your spirit. If I know anything, I know this is God. I've never felt anything like this before. It's glorious. I just want to linger here. And then you remember the rest of it. As a man speaks to his friends, the shout of war, the trumpet blast, the thunder. Lover and warrior. Friend and ally. Stillness and booming. Understanding his tobe and being taught by the spirit of truth guiding us. And then some shout that says, get ready for battle, friend. We're going to war. Oh, but God, I, I don't really feel like warring right now. You know, I had a rough day. I'd really like just lay here on my face. You know, that's Shacha Praskineo. You know, I, I read that. You, you search for that. Well, you find me here in that. Just let me stay here on my face. Come on, friend. My ways are not your ways. Here we go. God doesn't ask our permission. If you're going to be a friend closer than a brother, you get going. I remember when I was in college um, for my first year in the dorm, which was almost like a Motel 6 hostel. It was Bible college. What do you expect? I don't remember there ever being a night that wasn't noisy. We didn't have air conditioning. We had a window that you opened and a transom above the door, which meant for hundreds of guys on that floor, you heard everything, whether you wanted to or not. Good Lord. So my sophomore year, I got a roommate from my home church who has just retired from the pastorate. Good guy. We were friends. But we shared a room. We knew each other very well, loved one another, but I, I could tolerate his loudness. He could tolerate mine. <clears throat> we watched out for each other. We guarded what was in our room. And the dorm we were in was more of an upperclassman dorm. It still was loud. You got noisy neighbors, it's like Man Manchester United said about uh, Manchester City in the English Premier League. They called them their noisy neighbors. You're going to be a friend of God? All of these definings of that word, I don't have a percentage, but I would say that about well over 80% of being a friend of God is being ready to let him be loud. You do the math. Now, I'm not advocating that we just start being loud to be loud. But we've got to be willing to let God move. And we've got to recognize if the loudness is God, 
or the loudness is people who just are being idiots. And um, you got to deal with those people in a different way. Hopefully, tactfully. But you can't be a friend of God and try to make sure everybody's comfortable with God's loudness. You've got to establish um, a confidence within the people that what you're doing is of the Lord. Now, some people just like to be raucous. We encounter this in lots of places. You've got to manage those people, too. On, on the one hand, I'm saying you've got to let God be loud. And on the other hand, I'm saying those people, you've got to let God be silent. You've got to be respectful of one another, which is really what a neighbor is. But when you've got a neighbor like God, he loves you. He's not going to give you more than he can bear. God knows, and no pun intended, how many times he spared you from the blast of the trumpet because he knew you needed some some rest, but he doesn't ask you, hey, is it, is it okay if I blow the trumpet? We, you know, I remember we used to have a guy here, and he's dead now, so I can talk about him. Dr. Baker. He loved the shofar. He couldn't play it, but he would tote it around, and he'd try to get people to blow it. And it kind of reminds me of that movie, Oz the Great and Powerful, that little the little guy um, had a trumpet. He was always wanting to blow it, and they'd say, not now. Anytime something got going, he wanted to blow the trumpet. He thought, the shofar. Let me just tell you, blow the shofar when God says blow it, not just because you want to toot. I'll show you where to put that shofar if you're doing that all the time. And, um, no, what? don't think bad things. I could say go up there and put it back under the soundboard where it belongs. <laughs> so, it's being a neighbor. It's being an ally. It's being willing to tolerate God's loudness or his quietness. It's being willing to go to war when God says to go to war to tolerate the clamor of battle, to be willing to be with God wherever he's leading you because he's your friend. You're with him. You're committed to his ways. It's a privilege for him to allow you to come along with him. And I, I'm very grateful for this. You know, we were down there. Oh, man. I just marvel at the goodness of the Lord. In Brazil, we were, um, every service was totally different. I didn't repeat the same message over. Some of them were suddenlies. In fact, most of the day, Saturday was suddenly. And there were times where we were just all in proscuneo. And we were blessed to have live musicians playing prophetically really well during one of the prayer times. And I was laying there just enjoying it, praying in the Spirit. There were waves of, of people praying loudly in diversities of tongues. And 
then it would be silent, and then those instruments would pick up, and there'd be a driving crescendo, and the place would erupt, and then there would be a resolution, and then I noticed that another time a different musical variation would happen, and it would get really loud, and nobody on the floor got loud. Wonderful. But I don't know what people would have done who just felt anytime something stirs, they need to get up and do a hoedown. I don't know what would have happened if somebody who, you know, had tender ears um, couldn't tolerate the people getting loud. It's nothing to do with your personal preference. If God's doing it, you want to be his friend, you have two options. You go with him or you move to another neighborhood. I don't want to do that. Do you? For sale, nice house, right by a white palace, great neighbor, influential. Why are you moving? Oh, I just feel it's my time to, I'm going to retire. I'm going to go to retirement community. You're retiring from the presence of God. Oh, we don't, we, we don't do this here. Oh, we know God can do it, but we don't do it here. We believe that God has called us to this. Oh, really? Is God your friend? Oh, yes. He's so wonderful to us. Well, get ready. What are you going to do when the trumpet sounds and the saints are gathered home? When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time will be no more. I can see some of those people, the dead in Christ, they're supposed to be rising first. Who's blowing that trumpet? God doesn't move with me in that way. It just, it just rattles me. And I don't feel the presence of God. Well, <laughs> you're not rising then. That trumpet means one thing, and if you don't like it, you just stay here. And again, there's, there's a valid confluence of different things, but the friend of God is very clear here. And you see perversions of this word in the enemy camp where Israel is shouting for the demons and Sodom rises a great shout. And, you know, you just look at it. What does it mean to be a friend of God? Partnering with his ways, you've got to be ready. You better know the scripture. But don't try to fit God into your personal preference. Let him be what he is. And hopefully you can be a a wise enough group of people with a leader and a leadership core that you trust that if things get out of whack, and they do at times, you can say, okay, he knows this isn't right. Or she knows this isn't right. It's going to be dealt with. It may not be dealt with right now. Does that, does that take you out of what God's really doing or are you just going to keep seeking? I'm really hitting this today, aren't I? This is word definition, which we should all do. David meditated on the Lord. You just study these things, and then you let the Spirit talk about them. 
<laughs> I remember one time, this was, I'd been pastor for about three years. We were not moving in diversities of tongues. We were unknown tongues people. And I, I decided that we needed to have people come to pray at the beginning of the week on Monday morning at 6 o'clock. So I would come. And I noticed that the only people who would come, I'll just say it, were the more rowdy people. And that was fine because you want some rowdiness at 6 in the morning if you, after a Sunday, supposed to be the day of rest, which isn't for a pastor, in the connotation of what we think rest means. Um... But there were a couple of guys that would just shout and, you know, other people would pray loud in tongues and then some people would walk around almost like they were preaching to God, which I never thought was really much of a prayer time. And then there was this lady whose name was Patty. She was sweet, but she was very quiet. She lived alone. She never married, which is fine. But you could tell she wasn't used to having any noise in her house except for her and her cats. And one time she was, on these Monday mornings, she was sitting in the back row of the church, just sitting there. She had her Bible open, which was wonderful. She could pray however way she wanted to. Well, I'm walking up and down the, the wall. We didn't have flags hanging there. I was walking up and down the, uh, the nation's wall, and I was praying in the Spirit praying in tongues out loud. And she motioned for me to come over. It's like 6.30 in the morning. She said, Pastor, would you mind praying a little softer? I said, what? She said, would you not be so loud? And I, I won't tell you what I initially thought because I wasn't screaming. I was just, and I was walking up and down. We, we didn't have any music on because we didn't have a boom box. We didn't have, we didn't have anybody playing the organist. The pianists weren't there. But it was just the cacophony of all these people praying, which was great. I don't know how we prayed back then without music. But this lady asked me to be quiet. And I said, Patty, I appreciate that you, have, you feel you can ask me to do that, but I'm not shouting. And there are people all over this place that are being louder than me. I would invite you maybe to go up into the balcony. You can be up there with the Lord. But um, with all due respect, I'm going to keep praying. And I'll be moving over the other side of the room here in a little while. But you're free to move. You can go into Peace Chapel or up into the balcony. She was just looking at me. You, if you're going to be the friend of God, you've got to be willing to allow your pastor to pray in the Spirit, even though you really like a quiet morning. And, <laughs> okay, I think I've brought this moment. I have no reason to be saying this. My congregation doesn't complain about anything. Well, recently. Um, but I think God's getting us ready 
for what he's about to do, and we better understand what a, being a friend of God is, because most of the noise is coming from him at his behest. And he's saying, come on over here, friend. We're going to war. Come on over here. I'm going to make a proclamation. The trumpet's going to blow. Are you with me? Well, Father, I ask you that as your people continue to study this further, and I invite them to do it, you will help us to be more aligned as a friend to you than we've ever been. Help us to be sensitive to your spirit. Help us to align with you in whatever way you're wanting us to be your friend. Thank you, Father. Help us to grow in you. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, okay. God bless you all for my congregation here in Dallas or wherever you are. We're praying tonight, Wednesday, 6 o'clock Dallas time. Come and join us. We're going to be giving thanks to the Lord for um, what he's doing in this glorious time. And it's important to cover the victories with thanks and with whatever measure our friend is requiring of us in prayer. Thanks for praying for us. A great, great time. Uh, I believe tonight at the beginning of the prayer time, 6 o'clock, I'm going to just share some testimonies. I'll, I'll offer an invitation for those that are gathered here to be able to... Um, to knowledgeably give thanks to the Lord. And then we'll go into prayer. So, God bless you all. Glad you're a friend of God, and I hope you're still my friend after some of the things I've said. Till next time, goodbye. <laughs>